up team and welcome back to another episode of the Thriving in Fatherhood podcast. Today I've got a conversation to share with you that I had with my man Matt Kay from Grounded Traditions. So I met Matt maybe 18 months ago on a a retreat um, that we're both participating in and since hearing about the work that he was doing and the business that he was building we've got to connect a lot and I've been very very interested in the important work that he's been doing so we'll share more about that and the conversation with you in a moment but before that just a quick reminder that applications are open for the men's self-leadership launchpad this is a 10-week transformational experience to help you develop clarity in where you're going, who you are, what you want to offer, develop confidence, cultivate thriving relationships, yep, and really connect to your purpose-driven service in the world. So if you are just lacking that clarity, lacking that direction, You know you've got more to give. Your relationships around you aren't where they want to be. Yet this is a deep dive. There is a weekend intensive, online weekend intensive, and then an eight-week integration period. There's a two-week prep before the online intensive. This will be the seventh iteration of this program. So we have refined and refined. And this program works, right? The men get results. They start being and living different lives much more aligned with the lives they know they're capable of living. So if you want a bit of that, if you're ready to create some actual change, then get in touch, fill out an application, and we can go from there. So back to the conversation for today. So Matt, such an epic human. He is the co-founder of Grounded Traditions, which is an organization that supports young kids to cultivate a deep connection to nature and self through their holistic education programs. He's just doing such good work. And as Rafi gets a bit older, Ravi, my son is three now. I'm definitely more intrigued about how to cultivate and support this next phase of his childhood. And I definitely feel like mentorship and nature-based learning is a really important part of that. And so Matt is somebody, there's lots of these kind of programs around, but what they do at Grounded Traditions has really caught my eye and and I've always been intrigued to to learn more. So they've got a real focus on developing the whole child physically, mentally, especially emotionally through the nature immersion programs and then their focus on ancestral crafts and handworks as well. And what they do has been evolving and it's a beautiful offering to the community. They're very well respected in their community. And this conversation yeah, it was a great one. So to hear more about that, and especially if you're wanting to uh, provide this for, for your kids um, and just learn more about it. What I also love, the last thing I'll share before we jump into the conversation, is just the process that Matt went through. Matt and his partner Avalon went through from idea to birthing this to building this over the last few years. If anybody who's got that happening for you, you've got that niggle, that creative niggle that, that you you want to follow, this will be really inspiring for you as well. So with that, enjoy this conversation that I had with Matt from Grounded Traditions. Yeah, let's dive in. And, and to kick things off, I would just love to hear where you're at in your fatherhood journey. 
right now? So, um, yeah, father of two, uh, eldest being five, and our youngest just turned one. So we just, um, yeah, just celebrated his first birthday and did some ceremony around Avalon and him and sort of, yeah, had a look back at that cycle, a bit of reflection and what it was to take that step, that evolutionary step from one to two children, which a lot of people, I guess, with two or more can relate to. It's such a big shift. You know, you focus on one particular, uh, one child the entire time and everything you build around that and your life gets into a bit of a rhythm that you bring to it. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, how do I split this and make sure it's fair and everyone's heard and understood and is receiving what they need at the time. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey, but one that's very expansive and yeah, very rewarding in, a, in many ways, watching your first child open themselves up to a, a new member mm. and overcome those, those first anxieties around being left out or being excluded or I'm not important anymore or why, why is this other child getting all the focus over me? And yeah, softening that for them too and, you know, coming through and making sure that you give them just as much attention still mm. while also acknowledging the growth in them. You know, mm. Lua's just turned five and a half. She's just got her first wobbly tooth. So there's huge, huge changes going on inside of her as well, these big shifts of responsibility and she's kind of leaving those, those early watery years, you know. You know, it's coming through clearly in the body, the physical body starting to show it. And so it's adjusting and, and making sure that you're aware of giving that responsibility to her in subtle ways and helping shift them so it's not a, just an instant, oh, okay, you're different and I'm going to treat you different. It's like, no, 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 let's just move with this together and, and go slow. It's beautiful in many ways, challenging in just as many, but yeah. <laughs> yeah the, beautiful, the beautiful challenge that is fatherhood. Amazing, man. Lots of that feels very relevant yeah. as we approach the... Um, the baby bubble for the second time. So, yeah, mm. we've got you there. Prepare for an SOS call at, at some point in the next <laughs> six months or so. <laughs> Matt, what do I do? Anytime, um, anytime, yeah. brother. Beautiful. Let's let's dive into grounded traditions, man. The work that you're doing, the beautiful mm. work that you're doing. That, yeah, we've just got to witness from afar um, and through conversations that I've had with you. Um, yeah, but right back from when we first met, which how long ago was that? 18 months? Yeah. Yeah, about April last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. About a year yeah. and a half. Yeah. Year and a bit. Yeah, just hearing what you were up to, I was like, yes, this is this is what we're after. Um, <laughs> more of this. And I don't know things have evolved a lot since then. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe take us back to how how this work, the work that you do with kids, all kicked off. Yeah, give us a bit of the lead-in story and then we'll dive into where it's at at the moment and, and what you sort of see moving forward. Yeah, well. beautiful. I was passionate with teenagers. My, my The drive between getting involved with children was more uh, directed towards yeah a, a teenage group, you know, helping that shift for children that maybe didn't have the most conscious parents or parents that were too capable of being able to hold space or understand the many facets of life that they were going through, social obligations, schooling, and, you know, in those transitions, struggling, 
to find their place in the world or to see that the the world they were in isn't the only you know portal like view, viewing portal that they could see the world through um then we got we my wife and i Avalon, we got pregnant and um it kind of shifted everything you know obviously your passion then shifts and here you are presented with an opportunity to really define the passions that you do already have and refine them to suit your living style what's what's been given to you now i've got this brand new baby in my life here i am understanding what it's like now to transfer from one world into the next and how can i help adjust this and be as sensitive and aware to this as i could be and through that process my passion developed for younger children and it's just kind of grown with that evolution of her getting older and as that age bracket increases and my awareness grows with her it's just allowed me to then develop what I would like to give and where I want to serve in this world. And so that's what I guess sparked the initial idea mm. was just everything shift during that first, I guess that first lockdown mm. uh, a few years ago now and coming home, you know, coming out of the degree world and knowing I didn't want to really follow that path, being to be being able to be home with my children or my child at the time, my wife yeah. and really settle man and, put things into perspective and I wouldn't say necessarily I chose this. It was more of a, a calling, you know, you kind of have those ideas that just spring to mind and you're like, yeah, okay, that's, I'm going to chase that now. And that's, yeah. that's how it all began. It was just, all right, here's an idea. Let's throw it out there. Who's community around us. Let's feel into who's here. What are they needing at the time? How can we serve them for where they're at? Because, my ideas can be, you know, I could throw a stone as far as I could and my ideas are still much further, you know. But you've got to be able to give what's needed at the time for those yes. people that you're that are around you. And yeah. so we provided a service that would cater that. And and through that we could take baby steps mm. and slowly evolve it to the places that we could see we wanted to take it, you know, which is more forest immersion deep nature connection and that sort of mentoring in that way with the space where there's no boundary, you know, there is, but it's something we set. It's not something they see necessarily. So there's no restrictions there, but it took taking the parents there first. You got to get them comfortable and confident in this space and say, look, you know, this is a safe space, even though you might not exist here as much as you'd like. Let us show you that this is an okay place to be and that the children will thrive in it. Yeah, amazing, man. And do you mean physically taking the parents to the locations, like actually taking them out there? When you say taking them there or more just letting them know, like educating them, creating safety for them? Yeah, inwardly, inwardly expanding their awareness about that space. And, And then the kind of... The beautiful thing that that is, is that when they finally do step into some of these places that we take the children, they're quite, they're not rural, but they're private in the way that they're, they're in deep enough in the valley that there's not too many people around. Mm-hmm. The children are quite safe in, mm-hmm. and we know the space well enough. Mm-hmm. But um, when the children finally do, or the parents finally do take their children out to those spaces, you know, that we give them the location to and they see the children walk them through that forest and they know it. They know what they're looking for. They're looking for their food. They're looking for mushrooms that they've found. 
they know the path and the trail. Say, come up here. There's a really, there's a secret pool up around the corner here we can go to. And the parents kind of just trip. They <laughs> start to realize, wow, I'm totally out of my element here, but look at my child. They're just deep in the forest, you know, barefoot, diving through bushes, that, you know, they're, they're climbing trees and leading to places that they've, they would never imagine themselves getting into. So, yeah, that, that, in that way, opening them up to the possibilities of what nature can provide and how it can provide and, and how safe it really is when you, when you familiarize yourself with it and you connect with it. Yeah. And mm. it's a journey for them to come into that place as much as it was for me. The first time I started to step into those places and, and be on the creeks and, and really become comfortable with what yeah. was around me, knowing that, you know, nothing's out to get me here. As long as I'm slow and I'm aware and I ask for that safety, I'm, I'm held, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice one, man. I can imagine you very much evolved with it all. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, and so let's dive into, I guess, your philosophy around it. And I, I don't want to, there's so many different words get used like mm. unschooling, like nature schooling, like all of this. So I don't want to, um, yeah, use words that aren't yours. <laughs> um, no, no, but, no, but like how, yeah. How would you describe your philosophy and approach to, yeah, to doing what you do with the kids and, and just speak a little bit more maybe into like the specifics of like the ages that you work with and the groups and, and that kind mm. of thing as well. Because I know for for me it's like a big topic of conversation. Like this mm. this this bridge between, okay, well, we're not sending Rafi to primary school or, or whatever it might be. And then it's like, so what fills that gap? And like what does quote unquote homeschooling look like? And yeah, it's just so vast and I can imagine like it's easy yeah. to get lost and, and as a result, what you provide for, for families as an option is so valuable. So I'd love, yeah, speak into more the nuts and bolts kind of and around your philosophy and kind of the practicalities of it as well. Yeah, I guess for me, it's been a, a learning journey as well, you know. I didn't provide this service without children, I was a father. So I've been on this journey as well, figuring out what the best environment would be for my child to live and thrive. Yeah, there, there is, you were right, you're correct. There's a, there's a lot of labels coming around because everybody is in a transition within themselves and what, how conditioned they might be or how informed they are as to how capable their child is of actually leading them down the path that they've chosen or the path that they're most interested in. And however we look at it, whether the child's chosen the path before they've arrived here or they're learning it and they're just sensitive to what is driving them while they're here, either way, that child's interest and capability of learning is what is going to allow them to thrive. We all possess it and it's something really beautiful to watch blossom and if you're quiet enough to watch a child you can really just provide those tools in the moment and they will expand on them and i think each family we along the journey we've had to be really sensitive for a long time just to make sure that we could survive for one we were a very small business coming in and we had to be capable of making sure that we, we're going to at least survive through this early phase and get ourselves established and recognized and know that we're okay now to really say, okay, we're this, and this is what we want to offer you and be confident enough to say, 
we believe that this is what children need and we want you to provide the framework at home that's going to you know to make this balance within your lifestyle as well so you've got some families that need to homeschool they just need that curriculum they need some sort of framework to go off because without it they just feel a little bit unsure of what they're doing or whether their child is learning you know in the right ways and so that's perfect for one family you've got some families that are completely on the path of wild schooling wild schooling are just child-led learning letting their child live in a village type environment where the children are there to watch and to mimic and and play and as they come into say the age that my daughter's reaching now that's when they start to implement these 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 skills that they've you know they've gained over those first early years and now i can give her to those tasks okay lou you're on breakfast this morning and she's up there you know at her bench she's making you know she's she she cooked a full breakfast this morning and served it to me you know and there's that that slide of responsibility that i've given to her you know and that's very basic in the the grand picture of what her life might become but these are the very foundations that will allow her to develop the confidence to go out there and attain the things that she wants to do. And I think that with the world that's being handed to us at the moment, the more trust we give them to provide their own source of abundance, whether that be financial or it just might be something that they build that they find other means to surviving in this world that, and they thrive in it, whether that's just growing things from the land or developing community where they all prosper together because they're all offering little elements and little skills and, and working on that, that idea together so they grow something that we, we feel we would like right now, but we don't necessarily have the time yet to fully actualize the idea. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, there's, yeah, it's, there's avenues going on everywhere and we've gotten to a point now where we have enough of a foundation to say, okay, this is who we are. This is what we are passionate about. And this is what we want to give where we're the most skilled to offer this to your children. And we can hear them. We can provide the emotional stability that they need in order to navigate social, uh, their social worlds with their, their fellow friends and their community and how to navigate those, those challenges that come up, you know, that we, a lot of us didn't have until we were adults. And now we're working on those. We're doing all this inner work <laughs> in order to reveal to ourselves the things that we, we didn't get to, to, to learn at a very young age. So we provide that space. Then we provide the skills. It's from handwork. We build, we have really, developed a deep passion around handwork for children. Uh, I think I made a post about that yesterday where we don't teach children to meditate. And that's such a deep part of our philosophy because we don't believe a child needs to be still. They are present 100%. And it's more about providing something to focus in on because that, that, that presence just needs to be um, allowed to focus on something. And then they will dive right into it. And so just being slow with that. And it teaches, even in that handwork, you know, the things that we're presented with in meditation where we get frustrated, our mind races, we're trying to quieten it down, we come back to it and we allow it to then expand out again. And it gets to a point where, oh, you know, I'm not still anymore. So let's bring this back in and breathe, really anchor myself into the space again and then try and find that center. 
it's the same with the child, but instead of doing that and trying to get them to inwardly actualize this process, they're doing it physically, you know, watching a child knit, for example, they really get frustrated in those first few moments and then it clicks. And, you know, sometimes there's tears involved. There's a real breakdown of that inner struggle and the, the tears come through. And as the mentor, you're just there to hold that space as any other adult would need you to do. You just sit, you encourage, the process is difficult, you relate, you give a story of your own struggle, and we come through together. Can we now maybe do it? Do we have an idea? Can we come together and use our imaginations to create a new idea around how we could possibly make this a success? And then we move forward. And the child then starts to see there's many avenues here. And what works for me? Ah, I've found that rhythm now. Cool. And then it's an expansion on that. And the joy and the, the, the smiles and the laughter that come from that success is just a beautiful thing because they're the ones that have governed it within themselves and we've just been there to help, to nurture mm. and, and, and let it grow. And so that's where we're at at the moment in whatever field, whether we're doing our ancestral crafts, which is a, a corner of what we add now, and we, we bring that in from multiple different hands. So we bring other mentors through that have a, specific skill set and they want to offer you know a workshop a certain amount of weeks on a particular type of craft or uh, practice and we bring that in and we then take the children through that journey for that time and we we see that you know the benefit of allowing multiple different people to come through and offer those skills and and serve the children is going to benefit them because in the village style you know, it was a shared responsibility amongst all people, the aunties, the uncles, the, the elders, the mother and the father offering this, you know, their knowledge in the home. But we, we shared that responsibility. So we're, we're acknowledging that in what we can offer now and we're capable, we're able to do that. And the more people we meet and the more connections that we make, the more we can expand on that as well. We just find that our services right now suited to specific ages within the child for children, mm-hmm. whether that be that kindy level from three to five to six, and then we're they're coming through that transition. You know, when we talk about them losing their teeth, that's such a big sign to know your child is now getting ready for that next evolution within themselves. And then, so we're focusing on that era as well now. So we've got those early years that are really watery it's just about play and sinking in and and really just doing very basic ceremony even and talking about things and getting questions asked and then playing and and watching them and moving into their world and expanding it with them but just trying to remember all right i'm going to play and we're all going to play together and this is going to be a really joyous moment and then stepping out um with the older children so I'm talking from, say, five because we give that bracket an overflow. Some children at five to six are still happy in those early waters still. There's still mm-hmm. things that they're still processing or working through, and that's beautiful. And then some children are early, they're, whether they're the oldest child in the family or they're just something inside has given called to them to come through to this next phase of their life and say, no, I'm ready for more responsibility. I'm ready to really tune into the world now and learn how to use the skills I'm developing to create within it. 
mm-hmm. and then we move them through and give that opportunity now to come and learn deeper skills. Let's go a little bit deeper in the forest. Yeah. Let's let's connect a little bit more to you as an individual. And at the moment, yeah, we, we're that's where we cut off for now. We definitely have plans and beautiful ideas for children that come through that next threshold. And that's that, I guess, that next chapter of life where we are becoming men and women. Yes. We're coming into those teenage, right? Like, yeah, the age of where you would normally have a rite of passage. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So that's the vision for the future. But for now, we're focused here and I've got a beautiful crew, you know, from two of us in the beginning, starting this out, just Avril and I creating this idea now to, We've got multiple mentors and, and other people coming in and, and helping offer themselves and their own skills and their beautiful ways of just inspiring the children, you know. Yeah. So just to see that support now, it's been a beautiful transition. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nice one. And it's a kudos to your leadership, like Navalon, what you've created and creating the space for that i can imagine there's part of you that without wanting to project but i can imagine there's part of you that's like there's part that's like hold on like oh no this is my baby do you know what i mean and there's part creating space for others to come in and there's no growth without option b you know so yeah acknowledging that as well oh yeah i think i think any business owner can probably relate to that just <laughs> that the idea it's such a beautiful, you know, spark of inspiration. And then the journey is such a, a shaping of the self. And mm. I don't know, for myself, it's always hard and fast. You know, I, I climb one hill and there's just another taller one waiting just there. And my lows are just, you know, short and I recover. And then I'm met with the next challenge. And yeah, yeah taking that time to remember that I'm creating something here. And, and remember the ceremony around that, that if I'm going to create something, it's, it's got to have an intention behind it and not to get full too deeply into those, those doubts or the frustrations that might arise. You know, you, you, you're, you're now learning other people and trusting other people to hold space. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's a beautiful one that I think, um, challenged me many times but it's it's mm. allowed me to grow into such beautiful areas within myself and work through them and and acknowledge all of these other people now coming in to teach me how mm. can i better myself how can i hold this space even better or develop things in a way and and speak differently come from that place of love and not look at it, things necessarily like you know, I'm being attacked or I'm at risk of losing something here. And go, okay, what mm. kind of gift are you bringing me here so I can then help you as well? Because that's what it is to be in that community or that village. Exactly. Yeah. It's like embodying mm. the whole essence, right? It's like, oh, mm. it's not a do we do this and bring other people in. It's like, oh, this is the way. <laughs> like, it has to be this <laughs> yeah. way, right? Again, yeah. it's like it, you mentioned early days when you started, it's like, okay, we've got this idea, there's this need for it, there's this desire for it from the community. How do we do it in a way where we still su- where we survive as a family unit? And I, 
I imagine as your family grows, it's like that's still part of the equation as well. So it's like having that support and yeah, the team, the village is is just mm. such a yeah, a vital, a vital part of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, having a baby in this process is so enlightening in that way too. Mm. Watching and we call him the village, the village child, because he was in it. We had, you know, you're talking 10 to 16 people, families a day that we're interacting with. And he's in, you know, he's, he's there in the womb, <laughs> hearing these voices, feeling this energy around him constantly to the point of birthing him at home. And, you know, that birth was only Avalon and I, but the support network around us and watching the community that we, you know, we just provided a space for to start growing, mm. come together and find unity in this one purpose, which was to hold a woman mm. that was birthing a child and to see that unity come together. And for us, you know, to do it in the way we did. And there's so many, same, you can go into this about birthing with the labeling about how you did it and what it's really called, but Mm. To birth alone in the home with just the, the mother and the father. Yeah, it took a lot of healing and confidence within ourselves to go that path. Mm. But we knew we had the support, even though they weren't in the house or it were present at the birth, that we knew that we had this, you know, this system of people to call on if things were to get obscure or we needed to reach out and say, hey, I'm feeling really insecure in this moment about where I'm at and what I'm handling, can any of you offer that, that little shining light of hope or, or help that'll allow me to clarify this so that I can then move through it and find the confidence to step into that next, you know, that next space mm-hmm. that's calling me. And yeah, so reflecting on what we do for the children, you know, it's kind of as we develop and the more that we give and the more we expand on ourselves and what we're offering the children, it's, mirroring back into the parents and it's the symbiosis between what we're doing and then what's happening in the home and how that relationship is starting to flow and the unity between it, you know? So yeah, man, I think it's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so, and it's so relevant for me at the moment, like approaching that cat's 35 Mm. weeks on the weekend. I had a bit of a, a father blessing. Some men came around and we sat around the fire and that's what was really present and alive for me was the power of the village and there's Mm. one reason i'm extremely excited about this transition and not scared like i'm obviously fears Mm. will pop up and they have popped up and and that's part of the process but overall there's an excitement because i know like there's 10 men sitting around that fire that have got my back and their families Mm. and and it's it allows this transition right to be for me to be exciting and to be what it's meant to be, right? This deepening mm. of love and of community and excitement and, yeah, all of that. And it allows it to be that rather than fear, scary, burnout, like all of those things. It's, for me, the difference is the village. If that's present, okay, we're going to be good. <laughs> doesn't mean there's no challenges, but it means we're going to be good. And if there's no village, it's like, okay, it's probably going to be really hard. Like that to me just seems to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm treading water in an ocean. 
you know, there's no one around me to help me. I'm here having to keep my head above water. And, but then when you have that support, you're like, no, 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 we're just on an island right now. You know, we might be alone, but at least we're together. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a very uh, uplifting feeling. You know, the confidence grows a lot with that space being held by others. And I think just to reflect on what we do within Grounded, when I keep coming back to those core values, you know, a lot of the craft that we do or the bush practice or the, uh, even connecting to plants and, and foraging for our food and the bush tucker, it still comes back to that collective group um, unity, sharing together. We hold circle in the mornings. We have sit spots in the middle of the days. Um, and we have afternoon reflections. And each time we do that, we come back together. We share together. And each child is given an opportunity to speak and to be heard and to, to share their experiences. And whatever the theme is that day, pulling back on that and, and reflecting on whether we had those moments in reflection. It's beautiful to watch children support each other so much and, and develop as a pack. You know, we call in our older group, we are a dingo pack. We are all members of the pack. We bring in, if a new member comes in, they're welcomed in. We hold them. If they fall, we pick them up. No one's just looking at a child on the ground going, oh, they're hurt, <laughs> hands in the air. They're, wow. they're rushing to them, picking that person up, checking them, are you okay? You know, Do you need help or do you just need to recover for a second? And we sit there. Um, if it's an emotional thing, we hold that space. And the children have shown beautiful tendencies to be able to see a friend in, in, a, in an emotional struggle and just with a little bit of help or just a little bit of guidance realize that maybe their friend isn't isn't coming at them with this aggression because it's their fault maybe there's something going on at home there's something in the background here that isn't necessarily being seen and we can then forgive and hold that person because really what they did in the, that first instant wasn't really that bad, you know, yeah. but now we can help them come into a better state of being because they know that they've got support here mm-hmm. and they can, they can release these emotions without being judged or threatened with friendship. And so, yeah, yeah these are beautiful like lessons to have. Emotion. Yeah. It sounds like that emotional pillar is a real big part of things. What, like what age does that come through in younger kids? Is that more in the older kids? Because that's like a very high degree of emotional intelligence for them to be, you know, most adults yeah, that's, do that. You know what I mean? Like, no, so, yeah. No, well, this, that, that we build. Older kids or? Yeah, we build on the basic principles of that in the younger group. You know, we have our teepee or our, our, our circle and we have a talking stick that we use and we move that around and everyone's still allowed, you know, they reflect on their play in the morning and we talk about those experiences and it's gentle, soft, you know, um, mm-hmm. when two kids have an altercation or something happens, we come through, we, we build up the very early stages of that forgiveness. And those children are really capable of doing that. At a young age, we, we forgive readily. You know, the, the instant that we have a, an altercation or there's an accident that happens between two children or even an emotional outburst, it's forgotten very quickly and those two children might be at each other one second and then boom, they're back to playing in a beautiful way. Um, those deeper awarenesses come as the child shows the uh, capabilities of processing them. Gotcha. And that's something you just become sensitive to when you're, 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 
in that world a lot more and you know where you're able to actually break things down further. And so you're always, in the early years, very short, very basic explanations. Otherwise, you're going to lose them real quick. And if you go too deep, too far, it's just you're wasting your energy in that way. Yeah, like, okay. All right. Yeah, can I go play now? Um, No, no, no. And even then, you know, you just, you couldn't go as deep as you and I could sit here right now and really Mm. uncover the deep emotional sides of you and I, um, like you could with a seven-year-old. We've got to remember, we've got to bring it down to that age and that that awareness of the world. How could you see through their lens and then mm-hmm. communicate it in that way? It's very much what I'm hearing a lot, especially through the example of like the forest and then them leading their parents through that forest. And children are so much more capable of what we necessarily give them credit for is what I mm-hmm. have learned in my short three years as a father. And so creating the space for that while marrying that with they're still only six. So not having these expectations. Do you know what I mean? It's like that blend of, yeah, not coddling and not like, oh, you're just a kid. It's like actually you've got capabilities for phenomenal things and you are still mm. just a five-year-old, six-year-old, whatever it mm. may be. Yeah. And yeah, how do you walk that line? Oh, feeling, intuition. It's, mm. yeah, it's a learning that I've developed, I guess, over the time. And I've, I've failed many times, you know. And the beautiful thing about failure is that with every time that I failed, I realized how to refine what I was doing. And so even with my own child, she's my biggest learn like learning journey her and i tell her all the time she has you do things so different with kami or you know and this is my one-year-old boy or he got to do this and i didn't get any of that type of ceremony around you know we just did his first year ceremony and the whole day she i might do this for a story because it's the best way that i can translate this she didn't get that as her in her first year because we were learning we were learning within ourselves we were connecting deeper into the processes of the old ways and we've now learned practices that we didn't have in our repertoire back then or within ourselves mm-hmm. or how to connect to them. And so she's watching this and there's a, an air of jealousy coming up because she didn't get it. And so I'm sensitive to this all day and we're slowly we're giving her tasks to help do it. And we're, 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 we're talking about why, you know, we didn't know as much when you came through, you're here to help show us that you're teaching us this through you. We've been able to see things that we wanted different for Kami. And through you, we're going to help bring that back to you as well because you're going to be here doing it. And so I watched that struggle and that frustration come through in many ways. And it's not going to be about the, the thing at hand, you know, deep down. It's not going to be they're having a moment in what's going on, you know. It could be about a chocolate. But it really is not about a chocolate. It's a bigger picture. That's a very small hint at what what's under what's yeah underlying and you know i got to the end of the day and we we we'd held this this 12 hour cycle for him and it was coming to an end and it was about the shower and she wanted to have a shower but she didn't have the right pajama pants and it was 
it's starting to brew. You could see this thing was going to blow and, you know, the volcano was coming up to the surface. It was smoking and trying to be sensitive to that and talking through, you know, it's okay. We'll find them. Here's these ones. These are just as warm. You know, no, 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 this isn't right. And then it's, there it goes. Everything explodes. And having to be, being able to be aware of that and go, okay, I've got to be able to remove her now from this situation. We need space mm-hmm. and walk away and bring her out of the current, situation so that we can have space to let all these emotions surface i can be firm and loving enough that i'm going to make sure that nothing comes to harm in this process whether that be personal environmental you know because there's many things that we want to put that emotion out onto and then let it calm down to a place that we can talk and communicate and come back and so letting her be heard again so letting her calm down to a place where she can express what she was really feeling and then it comes up it's about these these things i didn't get to bury my placenta i didn't get to have this offering that you know and this full ceremony around my life am i not as important to you do i not deserve these same treatments and then communicating that to them at that age and just saying no no no, you do and we can revisit this and we will continue to do so And if you feel you want to do a ceremony like this or anything, if you feel like you would like to do something that will help you feel that you've been seen or heard, then I'm happy to do that with you. And that's hard. It's really hard. I I didn't get it the first time. I didn't get it the first 10 times, (laughs) you know, and there's probably still more times that I'll miss it. And I'll find myself sitting late at night going, oh, oh, that's all it was. Okay. (laughs) Now I see it. And yet we had this two hour thing where we both felt unheard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey of learning how to be sensitive and love come putting yourself aside for a second and remembering to just be present. No child is trying to upset you. No child is trying to make your day feel like it's 10 times harder than it is. <laughs> Even though in the moment, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And times that by, you know, X number of children in the space, you really have to just be able to, yeah, remember that every child is just calling out for whatever they need, mm. whatever they're feeling, they feel they're missing at that moment. Yeah. And each day it's a different child. So I just, I spend each day with a mindset knowing that I've got other mentors to help. You know, the sharing of that emotional load is now spread out. I don't have to hold it all. And I choose to, we look at it, I look at it like a pod of dolphins and, you know, they spread out as you would watch a dolphin pod come across, you know, a headland. They're not necessarily all together all the time. They spread out and there's some riding waves over here. Others are just playing around in the background. And then at moments they all come together and they're all swimming around and sharing that experience. The children are the same. So I choose a certain part of the pod that I'll focus on. And I'll go, okay, these four to five children, they're my focus. I really want to zone in on them today. And I can hear the play and I can get in on how they're feeling and judge, you know, what they might be going through or transitions they're making based on that experience for those, those five hours. And then I transfer those into a new pod the next day. So that way I can still make sure that I'm connected to all children and I form those relationships and those bonds and that's trust and respect and, you know, safety. Um, and I don't feel stretched trying to do it all at once with everyone. Um, that way 
yeah, you can develop your relationships really strongly and then sit with that and, and the children then come to you for that, mm. for that help. And yeah. 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 I can imagine. Nice. I love that, man. Thank mm. you for sharing. And um, there's a couple of things I want to circle back to. You've mentioned yeah. it a couple of times. And that is ceremony, ceremony and ritual. Mm. And then the other, I want to go in a little bit more on the hand skills. Did you call it handcraft? Yeah, handcraft. Handwork, yeah, yeah handcraft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to explore those two things a little bit more. Beautiful. And how you bring in, because I imagine especially the ceremony or ritual piece, because mm. if kids are coming to you, I don't know how often they come to you, like once a week or a couple of times a week, but then there's no yeah. flow over onto stuff at home. Like yeah. how do you bring in that ritual, that ceremony, especially mm. for the younger, the younger ones? And yeah. how do you find they respond to it initially? And then as time goes on, yeah, I'd love to just flesh that out a little bit because I feel like that is something that can be so anchoring and bring a sense of maybe safety, familiarity without it being too rigid of a structure kind of thing. I just feel like there's a lot of gold there. I'd love to hear your perspective of how you bring it in and, and what you've noticed in the kids. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's developed over time, you know, uh, as our practice was deepening and I was learning how much of my own practice should I share or can I share in this space? Um, and how can I, uh, refine it so that it is received well at this age and it's not too long or it's not too deep. And so I, I broke it down uh, and just a, a few basic things, you know, and you can do that's some sort of prayer or acknowledgement. So gratitude, gratitude's always been a big thing. That's an easy thing for a child to grasp. Uh, I used it in the juniors, like the very young kindy grade, I use a candle and a singing bowl now uh, that can connect, connect, connect to the candle because it's a birthday kind of concept. So we want to bring something else in here, but the candle's a connection that they can make already. And we use the candle as an offering. So they acknowledge something they're thankful for or they're grateful for, blow that candle out and send that, use that acknowledgement to send that off with the candle. So you, there's your conduit, very similar to saging and things like that. You know, you're using your plants or these sacred plants to then be a conduit of your intention or your prayer to move that from this realm into the next or this world into another uh, and carry that prayer. And so I found very small ways to do that in that space. Uh, song, that's a big thing too. That, that really young age, they love those songs. The teeth, we keep coming back to because the teeth, they're, um, they mimic music, you know, and they're in that young, uh, in their first phase of life, we get those first sets of teeth and there's 24 teeth, there's 24 notes in the, in the major scale of music. And this is why we, we like those nursery rhyme type structures or something quite simple. And so we bring in a song. So that's prayer and song. You know, they're quite similar. When we sing, we're taking a moment and we're moving energy through. So we're releasing things at the same time as bringing joy into the body and getting the, the cycle of energy moving through the body. And the children respond really well. And then there's a little bit of discussion about what's going on about the season or maybe uh, something similar, but different that we're seeing outside. This is all in the very junior stuff. So we're bringing this in early when it comes into the home. Yeah. That's, you know, some of these children never had that. And some of these families that don't know how to practice these sorts of things and never stepped into this world before, you know, setting an intention might be seem a little foreign to some of them at first. 
And so, yeah, there is a little bit of a, um, a gap between the home and then what we offer. And some children struggle to sit or to just have that moment to reflect. That's why the candle's a good place. You know, finding something they can connect to that's familiar to bring them in so they feel that sense of comfort. And then communicating at home and just sending inspiration home. You can't force someone to do something, you know, or even yeah. suggest, hey, this would be really beneficial if you did this because it might not be in themselves yet to practice it. Mm. But sending the inspiration home and giving them the opportunity and some framework to say, Here, here's this, this little ceremonial structure you could do for your child and yourself in the morning when you first wake up or something or even before bed, you know, to practice so that there's some congruency between what we do and what you do at home and you watch it's going with time and practice it will become a natural part of your day and probably one of the de- times a day you really enjoy most as we get into you know the bush school side the kid the older children we go a little bit deeper you know there's a moment of real acknowledgement for the earth and that energy force that helps create all things that we see and don't see around the place. We make offerings to that space constantly uh, as, a, as a, a form of acknowledgement and blessing so that that space continues to, to hear us and connect with us as well as we connect to it and learn about who we are. They have some songs that are a little bit more deep. You know, uh, we use traditional songs and the more I'm learning, the more I can offer. So the more I ground into what I practice and the more I feel that it's okay to share that because I've spent the time developing that relationship, then I can offer it in the space. And all the other mentors, they have other things from drums and things like that to bring in and to connect to that rhythm and spend a moment, but then sharing themselves as well. Pulling a card, you know, from a deck or something like that to set a theme for the day to see what's, you know, what may arise as well. And then say we move into things like with the ancestral crafts, you know, I, I like to work with birds, something, a relationship I've developed for a couple of years now, just slowly learning and connecting and wondering why I kept having birds come to me, whether that, you know, be roadkill or just in, in the space, feeling like a bird was coming down for a moment to share something with me, connecting more to that. And then offering that, once I developed that practice more and it started to happen with the children around, you know, and I felt like, okay, this is a good time to maybe share this practice. Now uh, I've developed this relationship enough that I think I could share this well and, and teach and, and demonstrate it. And so giving that reverence for, for nature yeah, in, in that way too. And then another mentor, you know, she works with, with hides and skins and we moved location in our junior program. And on the very first day, there'd been a possum that was hit. And Lua, my daughter, was very like, Dad, you've got to stop. We have to pick up that possum. We have to, you know, we have to do something. We have to hold ceremony or we've got to use a part of it and give it life. It can't just be left there. And I said, I don't know how to work with skin yet. You know, <laughs> I, I work with birds, but I don't know how to do that yet. I have, that's a skill I still have to learn. But then another mentor, knowing those skills and Lua grabbing you know, her and saying, there's a possum, let's go, we're going to get it. And so she went off, we made the decision, yeah, okay, cool, this is a process, you know, we give it an offering to the children who's okay with this and if you're not, let's go, we'll 
couple of mentors will move on and we'll do that process somewhere else. But then, yeah, hiding, taking that skin, holding ceremony and making that offering back to that animal so that we could give it purpose in life and give new life. And so that became a part of the journey over the, over the next month was the process of how to then, you know, turn that skin into something that was usable or mm. something we could use as reference as a, a, cent- a centerpiece to the, to the ceremonies that we perform and things like that. So yeah, in those ways, mm. we, we, we allow them to see what we can do so we can connect more. And we share that with the parents as well. And I think the parents look at us as people to help facilitate that, you know, and then they continue to do what they do in the home. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. I love that, man. It's the, yeah. um, it sounds like there's a really good blend of like structure and the daily things with the songs and the, I love mm. the idea of using a candle. I'm going to mm. bring that in. That's um beautiful. And then, yeah, like working with what's there as well. And as your practice deepens, like you have more to offer. I love that concept. The more I learn, the more I can offer. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And do you find the kids, especially the little ones, really respond well to it? Do you find there's resistance to it? Do you find it's hard to bring it in? Or if there's, I suppose if you've had groups for quite a while, they're quite used to it. But maybe when you were starting with it, like, yeah, because I would just imagine if, there was a kid that had no concept of that before and then you're sitting them down to move through something like that mm. would be the potential for resistance, especially very active kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're like, how, yeah, how, does, how, how have you found that has, has gone? Yeah, there's, there's been, you know, that, that in itself has been a journey too, familiarizing yourself with each child and learning. Are they active because they're a very active child or are they are they struggling with knowing how to focus that energy and being able to be sensitive to that so not condemning it because they can't sit you know maybe they can't in that moment then they need to move so let's let's it's all right let's move then we'll, we'll find ways to do that and the energy's been large many times like that and so we come together and we find ways to then direct that energy and being large is fine. If it's destructive, that's when we help focus it in another way. That's all we have to be aware of is whether or not we're hurting ourselves, hurting others or hurting our environment. And if we use those as the cornerstone of what we're doing, then we can really define whether or not that behavior is going to be destructive or constructive. And yeah, then we can move into that. So it's also, you know, a child might have some self-doubts in their abilities, so they don't want to focus because they're, they're afraid of, that they might not achieve. And allowing, trusting that the space will provide that opportunity for them when they see a, you know, a friend achieve something or create something that's beautiful time and time again. And then and that, that in itself is enough inspiration for that child to one day go, you know what, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend the time making it happen because I want to take that, I want to have that thing that I'm proud of as well. And that inspires them itself. Instead of me going, no, you have to sit here right now. You have to, yeah. you have to do this. You know, you know, your mom wants to see you go home with this thing today. It's not, it's <laughs> not. Yeah. It took a lot of that for me too, you know, being under the, under the torch of 
other people and am I providing something that's tangible for you to see or do you trust mm. that you know there's something happening here regardless and that sometimes it takes time so that's something that I still move through with different children at different times and still to this day continuing to learn the best ways to approach children you know and their attention and what's what's beneficial for them and the space at the time you know how can I be the most sensitive to what you're going through and, and give you the best of me so that you can, you can follow your heart in that moment. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. Let's, let's dive in a little bit on the ancestral crafts, the hand work, because um, I don't know if I saw your post yesterday, but I think you put you posted about it a little while back as well, maybe mm. a few weeks back. And it really resonated with me. And the whole, mm. we don't teach them to meditate, we teach them to use our hands. I'm like, yes, like <laughs> directing that for focus and just the fine motor skills and the neurological mm. development that would be happening with that, that, would, that yeah. would be helping with focus and attention. I just feel like there's so much there. Like you just, yeah, yeah click just watching. And it's something that... Yeah, personally, we haven't done heaps of like Kat does art and stuff with Rafi and um, yeah. a few different things. But yeah, just seeing seeing that, that really resonated with me for on, on a number of levels. And so, yeah, how do you bring that in? And what are some simple ways to do that for, again, focusing? I'm selfishly, I'm focusing on the younger <laughs> age, <laughs> age, age bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, the younger one. It's just basics, you know, like we just, we look at, so Avalon and I are both very creative in what we do. So it kind of came naturally to want to offer that outwardly. And it took a while to learn, okay, where a child's at in that junior, junior phase. And how can we break down what we do so that we're just providing those really early skills, tangible skills, you know, those tactile skills in the hands how are we moving things? Whittling was a really good one because, you know, that involved holding and, and carving something, but it, it took strength and it took time to develop that strength. Um, tying things and figuring out how to wrap, you know, a, a stick, even if it's quite simple, you, you're creating a wand or whatever a conduit you're making, you're still using those fingers and, 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 and developing that dexterity. And those, those connections to the brain. So then you're forming. It's like climbing a tree. I think for myself, it's something I'm doing recently. You know, for a child, it's, it comes naturally. When we start to climb, we're connecting to every part of the body or move. You know, connecting from the toes, you know, to through the thighs and the hips, right up through the torso, shoulders, fingers, everything. And that brain connection is developing to that full body. You're you're in a you're developing an awareness of the full spectrum of who you are and what you're capable of. Mm. And so providing those skill sets early is really important because then they, they, they slowly develop an awareness of themselves. Like, ah, I've got this skill. Now I can do this. Chopping, you know, food prep at an early age, hanging things out to dry, you know, playing around and putting a line out and going, okay, you know, if it's a rainy day, we get the kids to hang all their own clothes out. Just something like that. So you've got pegs in, they're using that dexterity, but they've seen it happen at home. So it's very much imitation in those early ages, things that you're doing. Crafts develop 
with interest. Um, and if you can provide small parts of that that you might not experience yourself, but you want to go and explore therapy, then give that to yourself at the same time as giving it to your child. If you want to paint, yeah. let your child paint with you next to you. If you want to sculpt and clay is a beautiful thing because it's so versatile and it develops strength as well as it being quite a soft like material, you know, Lua would sit and, and sculpt alongside us and just mimic. And if she struggled with something like, you know, if she wanted to use the wheel and we had to center it for her, yeah, we're there to help because we're there to give framework for something to develop. And then she would, as she got stronger, she could start to slap her own clay in or wedge her own clay and things like that. Then we build on that as well. Creating and finding, so connecting to the environment, building mandalas or things like that, or earth altars on the ground. That involves textures and things like that. We're developing those sensory skills as well as location awareness. So we're able to connect to the environment by the child going around exploring for a particular thing. And when they find them, then expanding. You know, that's not just the seed. What seed is that? What tree did it come from? What's its story? What's the purpose behind it? And we look and, and then connect, you know, let them lead you on that path. Where did you find that seed? Oh, you found that? Okay, cool. What, what tree might it come from? We look up, oh, there it is. There's the, that's the fruit. That must be the fruit. There's a part of it on the ground. What color is it? What texture is it? What does it smell like? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And these things like that, those early ages are all about developing a sensory awareness so that when they get to that next level, they've got those foundations built. They're not stumbling trying to hold a ball of yarn or, you know what I mean, while they are building something out like a bowl or, or digging it from the earth and things like that. They're not fumbling around trying to figure out how to get their thumbs to hold things properly. They know. And now we're just refining. Okay, see how you've gotten that far on that wall of that cup you're making? It's still a little bit thick. Can you feel that? And then feel around here. Feel how thin that is there? Let's make this side of the wall feel like that side. So let's not work that anymore. Come back over here and check it. So we're moving back and forth. So you're just developing them further, mm -hmm. connecting back to those old, those old skills and moving through them again. So when we teach the younger ones, it's, it's considering that very carefully. If you want to teach weaving, I have a really beautiful way of doing that uh, early. You know, they can't build the loom by themselves. You know, they might not be able to put the warp strings onto the loom. So you have to establish that framework. But the over and under... They can get, and they're working that in. And that is enough. That is really tough for a three to five-year-old to really sometimes master and being conscious that they're going over and under and then, then coming back in and going the opposite way. So they could be mindful of the last row they did as well as the row they're doing and then the role they go about to do afterwards. Mm. So here you are, past, present, future, at the same time as developing the skill at hand. Uh, so there's the mindfulness right now. It's just connecting there and being present. Beautiful, man. I love that. And it's something that, yeah, I personally want to bring in more into our home. Like I know I would benefit from it when you see it. You know, if you need some therapy, I'm like, yeah, I could do it. Some, uh, some hand skill therapy. I think I would find it hugely therapeutic. There's a beautiful arrangement of Instagram accounts, offerings, pages like that. With new, you know, we've considered putting it out there, but it's, it's, it's there for you to source and for people to look through and nice. yeah so if it's anyone out there that's looking to develop that with their children yeah it, it's there there's, it's principle there's a there's an ocean of opportunity for you to look at different activities across for you to do with your child and learn more but just don't forget the basics of your household they're beautiful yeah. they're, you know 
that's the yeah. greatest opportunity for those early year skill development to come through. Mm, yeah, yeah, love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Man, what are you excited about moving forward with Grounded Traditions or life in general? What's, it, what's exciting you about, yeah, what you're creating, what you see moving forward? I'm excited to... I'm excited to see what comes in the way that my understanding of what I feel a village would look like and what I would like to develop it into and grow and land, et cetera, and how to hold space for all children at once so that all age groups can be flowing with each other. I'm excited to see how that comes to be. You know, I can sit every day and, and, and ask for it or, or set that intention. And I think that, the unknown is what excites me because where I started looks totally different from where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And if that has only happened in two years yeah. and I'm, I'm now where I wanted to be two years ago, you know, I can own that, 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 yeah, that thrill to know what the potential lies ahead mm-hmm. and where it is. I have no idea with who it is. I have no idea, but the very fact that, this path is now changing me in so many ways and my environment, my inner environment is, is changing and, and expanding every day. That, that is what excites me. Yeah. yeah. It's going to yeah. allow me to grow as a person, as a, as a father and as a community member, how I can yeah. serve the very best that I can. Yeah. Beautiful. Love that, man. Mm-hmm. I would love your insight on if somebody's listening to this and they're like, this sounds amazing, right? Like love the idea of this, bringing, bringing different kids and families together, but there's not something like grounded traditions accessible where they are, you know, mm-hmm. like move to the gold, yeah. um, <laughs> move to Burley. Um, how would you suggest, yeah, that, that man, that family, that mother, who's got that like desire like you had mm. two and a half years ago, three years ago now. Yeah. 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 What, what advice would you have for them? Like let's just say there's something that's not available in their community and yeah, they're nervous or, or unsure or like what would you share with them? Can I just clarify, would this be someone that would be interested in doing what I've done or someone that's looking for not, a service. Of, so, so not necessarily even like more so, yeah, good, good clarification. So more so yeah. what I see the potential for is sort of co-creating it with other families that are like, yeah, not okay, beautiful. them having to start a business and all these people, but like, no, uh, yeah, advice to ha- how to go about doing it effectively if they wanted to do it with, yeah, with other families or, or with, with a group. Yeah, brilliant. Go slow. Don't, don't expect that you have to provide what you see from day one. You know, let that be your vision and take time to learn the skills that you need to make that vision become a reality. Get together with friends, with like-minded people. Connect with those people. Just find a balance between the social side of it and what you're there to do. 
because that can sometimes become the thing. Oh, this is our social circle and our children play, which is beautiful. The children should play with each other. But make it purposeful. You know, when you're there together, have some element of it being focused on creating something for the day. You know, share that together. Have a, a chat discussion or something or, you know, just have a thread that you all add to and then choose that particular focus for the day and make that your drive. Let your children see that you're creating, not just sitting there chatting or socializing, but let your child see that you are leaving a life that you want them to live. Mm-hmm. And, and that in that process, you'll start to see and tune into the skills that you want to develop and you want for your child. And they'll just see that you're learning too. And that'll inspire them. But yeah, do it with people you love, that you trust. Do it with people that you can have hard conversations with, I think, that you can actually sit with and, and challenge and that frustrate you, but you love them anyway. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're the people that you're going to be able to call on. And they're going to be able to teach you at the same time. And that's going to allow you to see the things that come up for your children in that space a lot clearer because you all are now practicing the skill sets that you want to develop for your child. So, yeah. Beautiful. Love that, man. I love that. Yeah. And um, I'm taking that on board. I'm taking that mm. on board. Yeah, Rafi went to for the first time a couple of weeks ago. It's called, yeah, Village Reconnected. And, it, yeah, permaculture-based, like play-based at Rafi's age, obviously, but their yeah. background's in permaculture. And it's the first time he's gone out. You know, he's done stuff where we've stayed there, but it's the first time he's yeah. gone out out and been away from us for five hours or whatever. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just lit up. He's loving it. We're loving it. Beautiful. It's just the... I can feel how every part, everyone involved is benefiting. And so it's really just planted the seed for me, like, ah, yeah, more of this. Yeah, Yeah. more of this in various ways. And um, so, yeah, man, I appreciate your insights and your guidance. And as we wrap up, man, just want to acknowledge you for um, following the nudge. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for leaning in. Um, yeah. I can only imagine the amount of head-banging moments that have presented themselves. But yeah, man, you, you're creating something beautiful there and um, really inspiring, like really, really inspiring. So yeah, thank you for all the work that you do, the man that you are, um, the father that you are. And yeah, man, grateful to, to know you and to be able to call on you. Um, Thanks, brother. It's, um, yeah, reciprocated very much. Yeah, watching, it's watching other men and women do very much the same thing in their own path. You know, what, you, what you're called to, what you step to every day to help the people you help, offer yourself out to those people and how vulnerable you are by admitting, you know, this is your journey too. It inspires me to know that what I'm doing, even though I might doubt, you know, you doubt yourself at times, uh, there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose. There's a, there's a reason for the, that initial spark and to trust that you do have the skills to handle it um so yeah brother watching you and watching other men and and women like like you doing a very similar thing or like me it's what's inspiring all of us at the moment so yeah i appreciate everything that you're doing each day and how much work i think you have around it too bro so thanks for having me here and allowing me to speak on what i do and 
be vulnerable in this space because <laughs> yeah it's a big thing to try and speak your truth you know and put yourself out there so very appreciative of this yeah, opportunity man. yeah thank you yeah. beautiful man all right my man we'll wrap it there big love to you and um thanks for listening everybody chat soon oh.